Well, thank you uh, to all those who helped yesterday and uh, and uh, got a lot done yesterday. Lots of people appreciate that very much. Church look, church building looks a lot better, um, and uh, so appreciate you giving up your Saturday morning to to help um, beautify the building that we've been given. And uh, the Lord is good in that way. All right. Well, let's uh, begin with the word of prayer. We want to uh, address how we can get from here in Royal Oak to there out across culture to a mission field if that's where God is leading us. So that's kind of what we want to look at today. So let's pray and ask God's help as we do. Lord, we pray for your favor this morning. We are we are recipients of your favor. We know what it's like to receive your grace over and over again. Your mercies are new every morning and uh, Lord, we want to see you pour out your favor upon us again and Primarily, we want to see you do that by uh, explaining to us and 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 uh, encouraging us through your word. So we pray that uh, this morning, as we look at it, that your spirit would illumine our minds and that we would think rightly about the application of it in our church and and uh, through the work that we are doing individually and and through this body. We pray for your grace as we seek to honor you with our worship. That uh, as we listen to the word and as we sing and give and and encourage one another, uh, that that we would be pleasing in your sight. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our uh, of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do we get from here to there? How can we know that God might be leading us uh, from this country and to possibly relocate? in another country in order to spread the gospel? What steps would we take if we find ourselves leaning in that direction? And these are some questions that we want to think about this this morning. So, But before we do, let's just quickly review what we've looked at over the past 11 classes. Okay, this is the final class for uh, our study of missions. We're going to move next time, uh, the next time I'm here, on our study of biblical counseling. How can we uh, work to explain the truth of Scripture to other people, and that should be something that all believers are doing. So that will be a class that we take about 13 weeks to go through. So in the first few weeks of this class, we talked about the foundation of missions, and we we saw several Scriptures that we've been reminded about them, about God is working to glorify Himself, to make His name known throughout all the world, that, that He is calling out worshipers for His name's sake. We saw that God has a passion to see His name glorified by showing mercy to sinners. That the primary way in which God does glorify Himself is by showing mercy to sinners, by um, accomplishing good in the life of believers. And this is a, a really an amazing truth and one that we should continue to explore. That is that God has made us uh, to glorify Himself and He has made us uh, to accomplish good in us. And both God's pursuit of His glory and God's pursuit of our good are never in conflict with one another. God never says, okay, in order for me to get more glory, I'm going to have to do evil to you. It doesn't work that way. For believers, God always does good. Okay, obviously, uh, uh, all of all the good things that He does for us is always consistent with His glory. So it, it kind of it works together there. God is glorified as He is 
constantly changing us and molding us into uh, the image of Jesus Christ. We also talked about the urgency of taking the gospel to the nations and about various ways to do this, uh, like with short-term mission trips and things like that, or doing missions in a closed country where the gospel is, is disallowed, um, or even doing it here in Royal Oak, uh, meeting with some internationals that already live here. Well, finally, this week we want to think particularly about this idea of getting from Royal Oak to the mission field. So the first thing that we want to answer is this question, am I called to missions? One of the greatest difficulties for Christians who are thinking about making any full-time Christian ministry their specific vocation, either as a pastor or a missionary, is this question of calling. Am I called to missions? How do we know if we're called by God to serve in a special way supported by His church? What does it even mean that that we are called? Well, we could use this entire class just to answer this question, but but, uh, let me just make a few points that might be helpful with regard to this topic of calling. Okay, first, all Christians are called to help in the spread of the gospel. Okay, so in, in, in that sense of calling, we are all called to advance the gospel. We all have a responsibility to use our lives and our lips in order to share the gospel with people around us. We don't have to cross a culture in order to do that. In fact, we should be doing that in our circles of influence that we have right now. Matthew 28:18, a passage I think has come up just about every class this uh uh, this in this series of, on missions is that um, you know we must go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Um, so, so Jesus is commanding believers that that He has the authority to pass on. In other words, give delegated authority to us to make disciples of all nations, to call out people from the tombs of spiritual death and call them to life. And His promise is that He will be with us always. And, of course, involved, that, that commission is given directly to the church but or the leaders of the church, that is, the apostles who would eventually go on and do this. But there's obvious implication for all believers, and that is that we must be a part of this evangelization process of sharing the gospel with other people. And uh, certainly there are um, other verses that we can uh, think about with regard to that. Romans 10, for example, in Acts 1-8, that, that Christ is making His followers His witnesses. You will be my witnesses, Acts 1-8. And so in terms of missions work, we can also see as we discussed several weeks ago that, that whether we are goers or senders, we are called to participate in missions. Okay, So, in terms of calling, we are all called to spread the gospel. We could also say this. We are all called to take part in missions. That's what Third John talks about, that we either send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, or we go out. We are the goers, the ones who go out for the sake of the name. The, the, there are those two uh, responsibilities. That is, Every Christian should be one or the other, a goer or a sender. And uh, so, so this, this part is very important. 
that, that the Bible calls all believers to make disciples. And so in that sense, we don't need a, a sense, we don't need a desire for a calling, just as we don't need a desire to, uh, to be holy. Okay? Someone might say, well, I don't really feel called to live a holy life. Right? So it must be okay for me to sin. As a Christian, we would, you know, if a Christian said that, we would say, well, that's ridiculous. The call to personal holiness resonates throughout Scripture whether you feel called or not. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Right? You learn to control your own body so that you're not like the pagans who, who uh, just follow all their passions into uh, to great acts of evil. So we are all called to personal holiness and, um, and that's because the Word of God calls all believers to do that. So in a similar way, we don't have to ask, okay, I don't know if I feel called to reach people with the Gospel. Okay, we are called to reach people with the Gospel. That is, God's desire is for each believer to reach others with the Gospel. It should be a natural extension of who we are as Christians. And so if you have a question of do I feel called to what I would call local evangelism, then the answer is yes. And if you have questions about that, you need to reread the New Testament at the very least. But that's probably not your question if you're thinking about specific calling to missions. Your question might be, am I personally called by God to leave this place and intentionally move to a different culture to take the gospel to a place where Christ is not well known? And that's a much different question. If your question is, am I called to give the gospel? Am I called to be a part of missions? The answer is yes to both of those. But are you called to actually get up from here and move to a different place? And, and uh, that's the question we want to, to spend some time on this morning. Over the centuries, Bible thinkers have generally identified two senses of calling described in Scriptures, and, and that may help us in working working our way through this issue. I find these to be very helpful even when I was thinking about whether I should get up and move my family from a place where I was just a member of a church to a place where actually I would seek to be supported full-time by a church. Right? That's a completely different thing. Am I called? Am I called to that? Is that something that God is leading in? And, and the basic two ways that Bible think, thinkers over the centuries have thought about this is in terms of internal calling and external calling. I touched about uh, on this several, uh, probably about a month ago in this class, but I want to take some time to just explore it a little bit more carefully this morning. So first, an internal call. Okay, internal call. Okay, an internal call is simply a sense or desire. Don't think mystical magical feelings, warm, fuzzy type feelings. Okay? It is simply a desire or a willingness to undertake the work that, that you're considering. Okay? So, and particularly, we're talking about vocational calling. That is a desire that God has placed on your heart, a particular course of, of action. It's not just a wish or a fantasy. It's, it's a desire to see God glorified in the earth. Not, you know, I need to get out of this this boring life that I'm in. I need to find something more adventurous. No, it is. I recognize that there are people in another place that are not God worshipers. And I'm, I feel like I can be a part 
of of strengthening people's faith over there, or I I I, ha- I can do a part in in reaching people, seeing them come to Christ. Okay, and you might be asking, well, is this really a biblical? Is there really a biblical basis for the internal call? Turn to Romans chapter 15, and I think there are several hints of an internal call in the New Testament. If you just think carefully about how people were led into full-time sorts of ministries. Here, Paul, in his missionary work, spoke of his desire and passion and ambition that that actually compelled him to do the work of ministry. Here's what Paul says in chapter 15, verse 20, "...and thus I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation." So do you see the the word that we're talking about with regard to internal uh, internal calling? It is a sense or a desire. Do you see the word that that goes along with that in verse twenty? What is it? Aspired. Okay. Thus I aspired. I desired to preach the gospel in a place where it had not been heard. First um, Corinthians nine sixteen. Paul says, "Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel." Okay. So. Whatever this may mean for Paul specifically, it seems to be clear that he had a strong internal desire of of um, of doing something for the sake of God, and I think that's a significant part of this first aspect of calling, which is the internal um, sense or desire of God's leading. Now, for Paul, there's certainly also the component that came from him, obviously being struck blind on the road to Damascus, and so he had. A, a more miraculous calling that we wouldn't expect today, because God doesn't uh, God doesn't work in uh, in those uh, blatantly uh, miraculous ways as He did then, uh, with the ceasing of with the finishing of the the New Testament. We no longer need those sorts of revelations. Uh, we can we have God's desires right here in in the Word. So, um, but. But for, for Paul, it was a clear desire, obviously, that God put on his heart when he called him to salvation and then said, you're going to be preaching to the Gentiles. Uh, but still, he, he references this internal desire that he has, this, this internal flame that, that, was, that, was being, um, that was being fueled by his love for the, the gospel being spread to other people. Let's think about someone else, though. Turn, turn to First Timothy chapter 3. Here, this again is Paul writing, but he gives us a helpful explanation of what an internal call might look like for a person who's pursuing full-time ministry or pursuing a some sort of a vocational ministry that, that has to do with, with um, leading God's church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, let someone re- read verse 1. Okay, so again, um, you have that word desire, or in the New American Standard, aspire. Okay, if if any man aspires to the office, and then later on in the verse, it is a fine work that he desires. So do you see how it's an internal desire? It's just a a a, a passion or a or a goal that someone might have as they start to go through the Christian life. They start to build this desire to do something. 
he, he sets his desire on doing a noble task. And Paul's saying that's really part of how God calls a person to to um, ministry. And and the same thing is true with regard to missions. This internal call um, is going to be reinforced by a sense of fruitfulness or of gifting. And it's going to be reinforced by actually being able to to qualify. Okay, Because what's the next part that, that Paul lists out here in verses 2 through 13? Right? He starts listing out the qualifications of what it will look like. So, now let's think about this for a second. A person could actually have a desire and yet not be qualified. Okay, so, for example, a lady might have a desire to preach in God's church. Okay? And that might be a legitimate desire that she has, but not legitimate biblically, right? Because we have qualifications that kind of temper what are legitimate desires. That, that is one's desires that ought to be pursued. The same thing is true with regard to a man who has a desire, but who maybe has more than one wife, or maybe he's addicted to wine, or maybe he doesn't manage his family well. Okay, So you have all these things that, that, that disqualify lots of other people who might have a, a desire to do something like this. All right, So those kind of things help, help narrow our focus so that it starts out with something maybe we could think broader, like an internal desire starts to narrow down based on the qualifications that are that are there. And um, so so that's the internal call. It's it's a desire that starts in the heart that that God often is leading in in, in that desire. Obviously if it's genuine it's going to be of God and and then he equips the person to actually to be able to follow through on on this desire. Okay, so that's the internal call. We're going to look at the external next, but do you have any questions on that? Paul? The desire to do what? Reach Gentiles or? Okay. Yeah. But he was he was clearly an unbeliever before the road to dismask. Yeah. 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 Uh, obviously, um, the the desire to glorify God was was a misled desire. Okay. It was. Um, it was done through the wrong forms and through the wrong Messiah, right? He's still waiting for the Messiah, really, apart from being introduced to Christ. So once Christ comes and tells him that you're persecuting my people, you're persecuting me, my church, then, um, then yeah, I think God gifts him with a proper desire, which ultimately leads to um, to his his ministry. Okay, so so the internal call is very important. If a person doesn't desire the office of an overseer, then why pursue it, right? Okay, the internal desire is important. Secondly, the external desire, just as important, is a confirmation of that internal desire. Okay, confirmation of the internal call is the external call. And this is, um, this is a desire to have those in your church to confirm the things 
that, that you believe are true. And this would mean particularly the leadership of our church. So, for example, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 13. And what we see there is that Paul and Barnabas likely had a desire to go and spread the gospel to the known world. Acts chapter 13. But that desire needed to be confirmed by the local church. Acts 13, uh, verse 1, start there. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to, to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking here through the church. Okay, so don't think Holy Spirit magically speaks. Uh, I think the, the Holy Spirit is speaking in the same way that the Holy Spirit speaks in our church, and that is through the congregation. That is through the, the, the hearts of individual believers so that if a person is being sent out, then he is going to be, uh, he is going to be promoted or, or brought to the congregation by the leadership of the church and then approved by the congregation. That is, we believe that this person is set apart for the purpose of ministry and now we want to see them sent out. Timothy also seems to have an external call as evidenced by the elders that laid hands on him. That's the idea. It's not like they laid hands on him and made him a better person. It's basically the idea that the, that the Holy Spirit is anointing these people for ministry in a sense that, that he, is, he is saying, at this point, okay, you are now uh, in a place where we recognize you as, as a confirmed leader, someone to be sent out. And uh, so, so that means that, that there needs to be an external call as well. So back to the, the, what I was saying before, that a person who thinks they have an internal call but are not confirmed by a local church, then I would say that, that their call is, is probably misguided, right? A person uh, either is not qualified properly or they haven't yet shown the proper gifts that are necessary in order to be sent out. Okay. Sometimes it's not that their call was misguided, it's just that they need more time, right? Because maybe God is calling them to a place of ministry, but they need more time and opportunities for ministry, more time to show that, that they are um, legitimately qualified and being led by God. And so sometimes it's just, you know, you just need to take some time and continue ministering here and, and show, show God's Spirit working through you. So, if that's the case, if there is both an internal call and an external call, then then we should work to take the initiative if we feel that internal call. Okay. So, if there is a sense that God is calling you to a place to cross cultures, for example, and to start working in ministry, particularly as a pastor, then, then you need to, to take the initiative and, and start talking to people now. 
Um, allow the, the people in our church to start carefully thinking about the fruit that they see in your lives and to create opportunities to help test your gifts and to help you discern your call. And at the same time, you need to, uh, you need to accept the idea that, um, that wisdom from others may, may be able to see, other people may be able to see some things that you don't see. Okay? And that's why I think that external call is needed. Because sometimes we can deceive ourselves as to how we qualify or how spiritual we are, how mature we are as Christians. And other people are looking at us like, no, you're not. You're, you're serving yourself. You're living for the praise of people. Or you just need a little bit more seasoning. You need a little bit more maturity. And so you need to, you need to do a few things before you, you get there. You need to be faithful in the things that you have right now. Don't expect to just get out in the field and all of a sudden you're this great, faithful preacher, pastor, it's not going to happen that way. The things that you compromise in now, you're going to compromise in much bigger ways in positions of leadership. And, uh, and so that's why uh, the external call is necessary. So how does this work? Uh, let me just take myself as an example. How does this work? I, I've, I um, sense a desire to, to be a part of pastoral ministry since I was in 11th grade, saved several years before that. And... Um, but but ultimately, I can't make myself a pastor. I can't force myself into a pastoral role. I have to be I have to be confirmed by a church, and actually, in my case, by two churches, right? By the church that was sending me, Inner City Baptist, and this church who is accepting me, accepting that call. And the way that that works is, is the Inner City. Uh, I sat down with with Pastor Doran, just said, "Listen, this is where God is." I think God is leading me. And so he, he made some suggestions as far as what kind of things I needed as far as ministry and training. And, and then the leadership of the church started watching me. Okay, Is, is this legitimate? Is, is he just playing games? Is this something that's really of God? And over time, that's, that becomes evident. And um, that becomes clear. And then uh, when opportunities come up, then, then they start, you know... Uh, passing out my resume to different places. Eventually, my resume got to here, and um, I got an opportunity to speak and then interview. Now, I ultimately can't establish myself as pastor of this church either uh, without your approval. And so that's why you, uh, you evaluated me on the basis of two things, my doctrine and my character. Now, my character is a lot harder to do because... You don't have a lot of time to spend with me in the candidation process, right? Uh, you know, we're just meeting you guys uh, for the first time. This happened back in 2009. And so the ideal way that that happens is that you take me on the recommendation of my church, okay? You, you take me on the recommendation of a church that you respect, of a church that, that you think is godly and is actually leading in the right direction. So then based on that, then you say, well, we'll take... We'll take you on the character. Now, we want to evaluate your doctrine. And um, like in most churches, um, you know, it's difficult to get into all the, 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 um, the fine details of, of orthodox doctrine. And so what you did was you called for a council to be set up, which is consistent with Acts, Acts 15 particularly. We are going to hand over authority temporarily to a council who's going to determine if this person is qualified 
for the ministry, if he actually is orthodox in his doctrine. And so this council consisted of, uh, I think, 15 or 20 guys, pastors in the area, seminary professors, people who know the Scriptures. And they grilled me, you know, right here in, in the auditorium in October of 2009 after, um, after by the way, that you had already ag- agreed to, to, um, to take me on as, as the pastor. But, but ultimately what that does is now the council, they don't say yes or no, this person, you have to accept them. Instead, they make a recommendation to the church. In fact, this is the way it's, re- it's worded in the minutes of the church. It is, we recommend, or the council recommends that this person is um, qualified for ministry with regard to doctrine. They, they're, not, they're not talking about practice at that point, or not practice, but, uh, but uh, character. Character, again, comes from a reference from a church, but the doctrine comes from the council, and the council goes back to the church. Now, based on all of that information, as the church, you have a responsibility to make a choice. And uh, and uh, that's what happened. There there was a time in which I came to the church on a Saturday, I think it was, and went through a question and answer time with several of the men, and then also preached again on on several of the Sundays or a, uh, another Sunday on a couple services. And uh, and then you made a choice. You had to make a vote, and we took that that is as a church, we took that as the leading of the Holy Spirit at that time. Okay, so um, obviously, if there comes a point when I become uh, heterodox in my doctrine, then then that that doesn't mean that the calling back there was invalid. It means that a person like me has strayed from the faith, and you need to remove me. Okay, and you still have the the recourse to do that through the vote of the congregation, and uh, I think that's a very biblical way to to handle that. All right, so so that's kind of what it looks like just from from my perspective. Hopefully that helps you see kind of the the um, procedure that that is followed that I think is derived from from the scripture, and it would happen very similarly in a a missionary um, sort of of sense. The difference is generally missionaries remain members at the church from which they are sent. Okay, I don't know if you you thought about that or, or if you um, were aware of that, but many of the missionaries, even our missionaries, are not members at their church. Now, if they have an established work there and they've been there for a lot of years, then um, then they, they often become members of their own church, obviously. But if their job is to just plant churches and move on, they remain members of the churches that they're sent from. Okay, so um, trying to think of an example, I, I, I think in... I probably should have verified this before I said it, but I think Archie Perez is still a member at Faith Baptist and Warren. Okay, and it's not that he has dual membership; it's just he doesn't see himself as as staying there as one place. Like we we come to a church, we come to be established there, but he is seeking to plant churches throughout Colonia, throughout you know the the larger the other states around Colonia, and and um, see it spread throughout Uruguay. So he's kind of kind of just starting out hubs and moving on. And that's the way Paul was. If you think about the Apostle Paul, where would he be a member of? Any ideas? What was the church that laid hands on them and sent them out? It was Antioch in Syria. That was Acts 13 that we just read. Okay, It was Antioch. So what happens is he's being sent out from Antioch 
And as he goes to all these churches like Thessalonica, Corinth, all these places, he's still a member at Antioch. And that's when he comes to report back to Antioch and then he circles back to the churches. You see, uh, he would be uh, very much like uh, what we would call an itinerant missionary, one who's seeking to establish works and then move on, come back, start to strengthen them, make sure that leaders are established, and come back. But but the main thing is he's back home. So now... Uh, so, so with regard to your specific calling, if you're called to the mission field, uh, you will all often remain a member. So that means the calling would come from or be confirmed by, the external part would be confirmed by the local church. That, that is the local church from which you are sent. Um, they're going to evaluate your doctrine, your character, okay, whether you have an internal desire or not, and, and start to see your gifts and based on that, then they make an evaluation and, and send you out uh, from their church as a representative. Okay? So, how to, how to do that specifically or practically is the next thing we want to look at. Before I do that, do you have any questions on that? Internal, external? Jared? Yeah. Yeah, um, in fact, that was part of the evaluation that I think, and I'm not sure if this was directly asked by the pulpit committee from our church, but what is, okay, asking people that know me, okay, how does how is he perceived among unbelievers? Okay, and I think the way that it came across, I think there was a reference from my boss, which is in a secular, primarily secular workplace, um, okay, so how is he perceived among unbelievers? And um, and I think that's wise for a church to ask that because because of that, you know, what you what did you, you just brought up there um, that we shouldn't just overlook that. Well, they don't understand Christianity, and um, the, of course I'm going to make offense to those people. You know, they're they're a bunch of pagans and they're going to hell. You know, we wouldn't to dismiss that would be to to um, to be foolish, I think, on the part of a church. So it is included. It should be included. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Um, that that's part of it. Obviously, if someone's in good favor with unbelievers, but not in good favor with their own church, then obviously you got some other problems. But but that's why I think this these qualifications are so helpful. Obviously, because they are inspired. All right, so practically, how can we think about this? Um, number one, realize that the church sends missionaries. Okay, realize that the church sends missionaries. There, there are no self-appointed missionaries, biblically speaking. There are no rogue, independent missionaries. It's, you know what? I want to be a missionary. I'm not a part of a church, and or I am a part of a church, but I'm not going to wait around for them or whatever. I'm just going to go out. That doesn't happen in the New Testament. And that shouldn't happen in our day as well. Obviously, even Paul and Barnabas, an apostle, along with his co-worker, are being sent out from a church in Acts. 
um, in Acts 13. So the local church is the one who sends missionaries. And so if this is something that you are thinking about, you feel a desire to to be involved in full-time ministry of some kind uh, with regard to the church, then uh, talk to the leaders of this church as soon as possible. And uh, hopefully our guidance will be helpful as we start to think through some issues and to start evaluating uh, character and qualifications. And I would suggest to, to do this as early as possible. It's, you know, even if the desire kind of fades away, it's better to have started the process than to wait until you've already made a decision. And you know what? I'm going to the mission field, whether my church allows me to or not, and now you need to approve me. Well, that's not going to be very um, credible when you come to the leadership of the church. And I think if you think about it, the church will actually help to play a huge part in you being sure that this is of God or not. All right. Thirdly, seek ministry opportunities at Ambassador Baptist Church. So, I can't stress this enough because you will not be faithful on the field. You will not be faithful as a pastor of a church if you are not faithful in the, the seemingly, okay, and that's the key word here, seemingly menial tasks that you're given in this church. Okay, if you're not seeking to to do it at, to the best of your ability, to do it with all of your heart, to do it with the right attitude. If you're not seeking to do that and you're not doing that, then don't expect for the light switch to turn on at some point. It's not going to. I still remember uh, my pastor would often encourage us in that way. Um, those who were uh, training for ministry, he would say, don't be surprised when a lot of the same things that you struggle with now show up in in your church, you know, if if you struggle with evangelism now, don't be surprised if if that's the same thing in your. If you struggle with praying now, don't be surprised that if you if you have problems praying when you're in the ministry. So learn to be faithful in the things that you're supposed to do now, in the ministry opportunities that are given to you, um, and uh, you know, th- obviously Joseph wasn't a pastor, but but just by way of illustration. The, the idea of being faithful and little. Joseph is a great example of this, right? He's faithful as a shepherd. He's faithful in the prison or first in Potiphar's house and then in the prison. And and what happens is then when he gets to be over Egypt, he's faithful like we would expect him to be because he's been faithful in the little things. And I think the same thing is true and should not be surprising to us as well. So I can't stress that point enough. Consider a short-term missions trip. Again, this is uh, something that comes up often, and our church tries to um, set money aside each year in order to do this, and we want to help pay pay for part of the ticket so that you can go. And um, so consider doing that, just seeing what it's like in a different culture. We we live in a, a very privileged age, if you haven't thought about it in terms of human history, that... Uh, you know, when, when Adoniram Jump, Judson wanted to travel overseas or William Carey, it's not like they could go, well, let me just get on a plane and then in another day I'll be there and I'll check it out and see if I like it or not and then come back. Or I'll check out some other missionaries who are in a nearby area and then if I, I kind of get the sense that I... But we actually have that ability. And 
and uh, to be able to travel as easily as we can and to communicate to other places as easily as we can uh, without really any delay in time. Like they would send a letter and then wait for it to come across on the ship. And for us, it's just we can get on the phone and call them or Skype or email or even text. And uh, so we have a great privilege in being able to actually go to the field that and uh, and see opportunities there and, and maybe even see if that's where God wants us specifically. So consider one of those there. Uh, some of the most helpful ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. All right, then labor to be faithful here and now. Kind of goes back with the other one, the ministry opportunities, labor to be, uh, um, or labor to be faithful here and now. And then finally, pray about it. Ask God, God, is this of you? Is this something that you are leading me to do? And then talk with others. Seek counsel of other people. You know, do you think Do you think I'm gifted in these areas? Is this something that God might be leading me, or, or can Can you just be honest with me? Is there something that I I am missing here? And um, and again, don't wait till you have your mind made up on this. Start doing it. Do this at the beginning of the process rather than at the end. All right. What about if you're not called by God right now? Okay, again, our, we have a general calling to reach people with the gospel. We have a general calling of being a part of missions. Everybody must be. Um, so, so what I would suggest to you is that if you are not called to the ministry, maybe you're thinking this whole class, well, this class is not for me. Well, then I would suggest to you that, that you still ought to be looking for ways to reach out to people, the non-Christians around you, and seeking to disciple Christians who are around you. Um, that, that, I think, is a task of every believer. Um, so, so don't feel like, well, I'm kind of just a waste of skin now if I'm not called to ministry. It's of no, it's no, of no value. God, God is looking for worshipers, and He's looking for quality um, faithful lovers of God in every area of life. Okay, so whatever field of, of work that you have, be faithful in that field and be a good testimony of God's grace. If everybody were called to ministry, that would be a problem. Do, do you realize that? Right? If everyone were called to full time ministry, that would be a problem. We need people that are that are working out in the secular world with people, with other people and who are passionate about God's glory and who are passionate about Christ's church and who are not afraid to to talk about him. So don't don't be ashamed if you're not called to ministry. I know some pastors can put such a premium on ministry that they make everybody else feel like worthless scum. But but we all are called to glorify God in whatever we uh have to do. So whether you um you know What's the passage in Colossians? You know, work heartily unto the Lord and not unto man. Um, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whether you're called to ministry, whether you're uh, called to just faithful service in your job and and in your church, do it with all of your might and um, and do it to the glory of God. All right, several missions opportunities. Let me just briefly go through these. Short term, we've already talked about. Medium term would be longer than a couple of weeks, so you could go for a couple of months. And you know, just as an example, Dan Cuthbertson said, you know, if you want to come back 
talking to anybody in our group, you want to come back, you're welcome to come back for a whole month or, you know, three months. Just live with us. See what it's like over here. Um, learn, Start learning the language in this way. This is a good, good, uh, good thing to do, especially if you're kind of uh, thinking along those lines. So, so more than a couple of weeks, but longer than or, or shorter than than a few years. Okay, and that's what the long term is—just kind of longer than a few years, or maybe even longer than a year. It's just the idea of I want to go and establish myself now. Now I want to be a part of potentially actually be the the main person, the actual uh, person who's going to be supported by the church back here. Um, and I want to want to do that, but but keep in mind that you could also think of long-term missions work in terms of going alongside and helping someone, not being the main person. That is not being the the person who's supported by churches back here. Just go over to a place, get a job, work alongside them, be faithful, be a good member, and help out the work there. Um, obviously, missionaries like us need faithful people, just like. Uh, we do back here. So that would be a, a really helpful thing as well. So getting from here to there is not something that we kind of get this impression in the middle of the night that we want to do it and then the next day we're we're gone. It's a long process, isn't it? It requires some thinking. It requires some praying. It requires some preparation. It requires some evaluating. And ultimately, if it's of God, then then you will happily be willing to wait through that process and grow through that process. It's not just a waiting thing. It's actually you becoming uh, more equipped to do what's going to, to happen out there in the field. And uh, God, is, God is great, by the way, at, at just equipping us in that way. He knows what kinds of things we need to be... Uh, what, what kind of things, areas in which we need to be improved so that He gives us things in the seemingly smaller parts of life so that when we get to the place where we want to be, now we can we can start to say, you know what, I've dealt with that in a smaller way. Like David says before, you know, he's standing before Goliath, or before Saul, really before that, and he says, well, I've killed a bear and a lion, so I'm pretty sure that God's going to be with me and, and He's going to allow me to kill this giant. Okay, and God, God allows us to go through experiences in in our preparation time in order to equip us for the time in which we will be on the field, be uh, ministering in this way. Okay, so the internal and the external call, uh, a, a desire uh, that we have in our heart and then a confirmation of that desire from Christ's church. All right? Any questions or comments? Jim. Yeah. Oh yeah, the shoe salesman, right? Yep. Yeah, that's uh I, I I can think of a lot in the biographies that I've read that a lot of times some of the great <coughs> preachers and servants of God often get saved just through someone who may look at their life as just an ordinary life, but it's not 
ordinary in terms of how God looks at it. And God, God equips us with specific gifts and with specific relationships that work out for the sake of His glory. And uh, we may see it as something very small and unimportant, but, but God doesn't see it that way. And we should um, take heart in what we're doing and, and recognize that, that God is watching and God is leading and God is working. So, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank You for Your grace in leading us and in calling us to do what You would have us to do. And we pray that You would help us to think carefully about our responsibility as a church in helping to equip other people and also to evaluate. And we pray that those who feel led to uh, full-time ministry, either as a pastor or or missionary, or even coming alongside of a missionary, that um, that that we would help them, and that they would uh, sense your desire and recognize the confirmation of it through uh, your church. Lord, help us in this hour to follow as we worship you. Uh, may we think properly about your word and about your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.